tonight? Good. Hey, if you don't got your Bible, we got Bibles up here. Get a copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. We'd love for you to be in a physical copy of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. Hey, one of my favorite uh, drills we did in basketball and something we do when we play pickup is king of the hill. Y'all know what I'm talking about? King of the hill. So you got a a dude at the the top of the key, top of the three-point line, and they'd be on offense. And then you'd have someone who's defending them that would come out from under the hoop. They'd pass them the ball, and you'd get maybe two, three, four dribbles to try to score. So the way it goes, if you missed it, right, you would go back to the end of the line, and that defender would become the offense player. Well, if you're on offense, and I mean, you know, you go through your legs, you, you spin it, I take Colton's ankles, Coulter's over there while I'm scoring a basket, it's real easy. If you score, you get to keep going, and the defender goes to the back of the line, right? That's the way the king of the hill goes. Well, the beginning of the book of Hebrews is kind of like king of the hill. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is superior than the way that God has spoken in the past. He's superior to the prophets and the fathers, right? We saw that in Hebrews 1 through 3. Boom, back of the line. The next defender that came tonight are the angels. The angels are trying to combat Jesus. And our theme tonight is that Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is superior to the angels. And you might be just thinking to yourself, Dylan, Who is questioning that? No one's saying the angels are greater than Jesus. Well, there's a reason that there's this topic is in Scripture. And the reason it's in there is because between the Old Testament and New Testament, there was this time of silence. And during this time of silence, this false teaching began that people began to worship angels. They began to worship angels and, and serve them and even to the neglect of God himself to serve these angels. Now, in 2023, when we have scripture, that makes no sense, right? It's like, why in the world would you be doing that? Well, that was something they were doing. So the author is addressing it. So as we look at how Jesus is superior to the angels, we need to kind of do a little deep dive into what is an angel. What is it, the angelology, the, the, the theology of angels? And for some of us, we think an angel is the plump-cheeked, white little angel on our Christmas tree that is an ornament, or we see in commercials, the very commercialized version of angels. Guys, when you think of angel, most likely you don't have a biblical description or image of what an angel is. Think about in Luke 2, 9, anytime an angel is spoke about, most of the time in scripture, people are afraid. Luke 2, 9 says this, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. They saw an angel, and they were were afraid of the angel. It's not this just plump-cheeked little baby. It's not looking like Briggs. It's not looking like Mason. This isn't this little angel with wings. It is a terrifying image, a terrifying presence of an angel. But we see that both in the old In the New Testament, it makes it clear that angels are creations of God, that God created angels, which just kind of shuts down the argument at the beginning. It's like, well, if God created angels, they can't be greater than 
the creator. But sometimes we kind of live that way in our own lives, that we're kind of greater and we're the lords of our own life. But I'll step aside of that for now. But the Bible also indicates that angels are messengers of God, that they carry out his purposes. The angels function as witnesses of major redemptive historical events like the birth of Christ. They are also agents of God's justice. After the fall, God placed angels at the Garden of Eden to act vengeance on anyone who would try to eat the tree from the tree of life. And Revelation indicates that Christ will lead an angelic army in the last day to execute his just judgment on the world. So we see some of the roles and, uh, of angels, but we see that a biblical depiction is that God uses them for his purposes, but they're not this sweet, plump-cheeked, little baby angel with wings. So it's, it's good to kind of deep dive a little bit. What is an angel for us to understand that Jesus really is superior to the angels? So my overarching theme, my overarching uh, point for us tonight is that Jesus is superior in name, reign, and role. Jesus is superior in name, in reign, and role. Let's pray before we open God's word tonight. Lord, we thank you for your living and active word. God, I thank you for this topic of how Jesus is superior to the angels. God, I pray that it would bless us, it would encourage us and instruct us to look to you as the most superior in our entire life and in this entire world, that our life would be fully devoted to you and not myths and false teachings that abound. God, I thank you for uh, your word, and I pray it speaks to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus has a superior name is our first point. Jesus has a superior name, and that's out of Hebrews 1, verses 4 through 6. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which, to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Now, this is a personal opinion that you guys might have differing personal opinions. But if you look at it as, as a whole... There are brands that are superior to other brands, right? So when OU football, when OU went to, to, to Jordan, as you can see on my shirt, when they went to Jordan, that was a flex on the rest of college, on the rest of college football, because players see Jordan as a superior brand. They love the Jordans. You ain't got people walking around in shacks and, and new balances saying, man, I'm looking the best around. They're not rocking the tech gear, the, the Walmart brand, the Target brand that I wear, Right? People want to wear the Jordan brand. They want to wear the superior brand. Well, Jesus has that superior name. There is no rival for the name of Jesus. It says it is much, in verse 4, much superior, much greater than the angels, his name. Can anyone tell me the memory verse for this month? Acts 4.12. And Acts 4.12 says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which men can be saved. There's no other name in this world in which you can be saved. I think Jesus has a superior name, and Scripture testifies to that. But I told you last week that the author of Hebrews loves the Old Testament. He uses the Old Testament everywhere in the book of Hebrews. In the ten verses we're diving in tonight, he quotes it seven times. Seven times he's going to use the Old Testament. And we're going to walk through every single one of them. You're going to think I'm redundant and 
I am because I'm looking at Scripture, and it's important to look at all what Scripture has. But we see he has a much superior name to the angels in that he inherited. He has inherited this name. Remember, we talked about that last week, that he owns the name, right? When you're working and you're trying to get a raise and you're trying to get a promotion, people are working hard and they go and they go and they go. Jesus' name is not like that. That is his. We cannot attain it. We cannot earn it. Angels cannot earn it. Jesus is Jesus. He's the creator and the sustainer of this world. It is only to him his name is given. So again, Jesus has a superior name to the angels. But what's that name that it's going to say here in the book of Hebrews? Well, let's look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is the first Old Testament quotation in this passage. This is from Psalm 2-7. So if you're taking notes, Psalm 2-7 is which the first part of verse 5 comes from. And this quote is, out of Psalm 2, is a, the context of the son ruling for other people serving the son. So we say, to which of the angels did they ever say that people are going to serve the angels? Never in Scripture does it say people are serving angels. But it says that we will serve the Son. So again, putting his name above everyone else. We see a second Old Testament quotation in the same verse when it says, Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. 2 Samuel 7.14 is that second passage. 2 Samuel 7.14. In the context of this one, it's showing the sonship refers not only to Jesus as the eternal Son of God, but to Jesus as the messianic son, the fulfillment of the Davidic promises. Because this is talking about the lineage of David. And if you know about the Old Testament, that God promised that the, the Messiah would come from the lineage of King David. So it's saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. That he is the Messiah, the eternal son of God, and the one that has come to save. I think his name is superior to the angels. Verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Third Old Testament quotation. That's out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. Deuteronomy 32, 43. And this has a context of angels bowing to Yahweh. And what the author does, he connects this to saying Jesus is God and the angels worship him. So he's using the Old Testament to elevate, to exalt, to show that Jesus is is God. He's worthy of our worship and his name is far superior to the angels. So we see his name, of, the name of Jesus is, is superior to that of the angels because they worship the Son of God. The name Son is packed full of messianic promises and fulfillments. It's owned and fulfilled by one person and his name is Jesus. This should give us confidence that there is no other name, right, as believers that we follow Jesus. That there is no other name that you can be saved. There is no other name that has created or sustained this world. That the one we follow has all in control. That should give us confidence that Jesus has a superior name. Our second point is that Jesus has a superior reign. R-E-I-G-N. Jesus has a superior reign. Now, we, you can talk about reigns. You can talk about the reigns of kings and queens, right, over in England. You can talk about the reigns of presidents in the United States and say, well, which one was better? Was this president better? Was this king or queen better? You can talk about uh, sports. You can talk about, man, well, Kareem's the GOAT or no. Chamberlain's the GOAT. Oh, no. LeBron's the GOAT. Jordan's the GOAT. Kobe's the GOAT. 
steps. That, and people can argue about who has the, the, the greatest reign, who is the greatest in all of those. But when we look at Scripture, when it comes to Jesus, no one has more of a superior reign than him. Hebrews 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 7. Of the angels, he says, so he's talking about angels. He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. This is another quotation from the Old Testament. This is from Psalm 104.4. Psalm 104.4 is when he talk about he, what he's talking about here in verse 7. And the context of what's going on is that this psalm is highlighting God's power and sovereignty because he's talking about using wind and, and fire as his servants, as his mediums. So he's using wind and fire to do as he pleases. And he's tying this to the angels. He makes angels his messengers. He makes angels his servants to go and do his will. Does that make sense? He's got authority over them to send them. So how can angels be superior to Jesus when he is the one that is sending them out to do his will? Verse 8, but of the Son, he says, of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. This is another Old Testament quotation from Psalm 45, 6. Psalm 45, 6. And this context is celebrating extolling the king. It says, your throne, O God. So he's talking to Jesus and he says, your throne is forever and ever. Isn't that good news that the reign of Jesus is, has always been and will always be. His reign is forever. But again, talking about his name, talking about his reign. It says, your throne, O God. Again, identifying that Jesus is God. I don't know how we don't have confidence who Jesus is by reading through these first eight verses of Hebrews chapter 1. It is just extolling and, uh, and upholding and exalting the name of Jesus. And it should give us encouragement that he is the one that reigns. Why? Continuing on in verse 8. The scepter of your uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. That we know that Jesus has a superior reign, but he has a reign that is upright that is righteous, that hates wickedness, that one day all wickedness will be punished, that we have a God that we can trust in that is ruling for our good because he's ruling by God's design. That's really important for us to, to understand is that because many times bad things happen and we begin to, to blame God and say all these things are going against me and we don't have an, a just ruler on the throne. Here we see that he is a just ruler. And we know that he loves us. He's a God that loves us so much that he sent himself. He sent Jesus down to earth to take our sin, right? We've been separated from God, but it's through the death of Jesus that we can be made right when he defeated death. That we have a God that is ruling with uprightness and righteousness. That because of his goodness, that he gives us his righteousness so that we can be made right with God. We can trust even in the, the hard times and the bad times that God is ruling for our good and his glory. He claims here in verse 9, says, Therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Verse 10, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of of your hands. Here's another, the sixth quotation from the Old Testament, Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. 
And the context here in Psalm 102, 25 through 27 is human suffering. Suffering is going on, but the user is using it here to show that, that God will sustain, that he is faithful till the end. Because we see in verse 11, they will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment, and like a robe, you will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. He's showing us that we can have confidence in the reign of Jesus because he will reign forever. It says, they will perish, but you will remain. Jesus laid the foundation of this earth. He made the heavens, they are the works of his hand. He has forever and will always be. But us, angels, our athletic ability, our ability to play an instrument, our ability to sing, our ability to do well on a test, our ability to dress well, our ability to buy nice clothes, our ability to have clout on social media, all will fade away. One day your mind will fade away. One day your body will fade away. One day your garments will fade away. One day the good things in your life are happening, one day that will fade away. Bad things will happen to us. But when those things do happen, we can take trust and we place our faith in the one who does not, who will not perish, who reigns from always to always will be. We can put our faith and our trust in Jesus because he laid the foundations of the earth and he has created the works of the heaven. And he will always be and he will always be the same. And that's important for us to understand that God is immutable. There's your $20 word for tonight. God is immutable, which means that God does not change. The culture changes, what's accepted in culture changes, false teachings spring up about angels, that'll change, teachings about whatever kind of sin you want to talk about right now, those spring up, God will always stay the same and his word will always stay the same, so we don't have to be tossed by the winds and waves of this culture. My last point for us tonight is that Jesus has a superior role. We've seen that he has a superior name, he has a superior reign, and we see he has a superior role, verses 13 and 14. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make you, your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Now, Noble is a big brother, right? He's two, like coming up two and a half, something like that, two and a quarter. Briggs is three months old. One day, Noble will really be able to be a good big brother to, to Briggs. And I will get to teach him his role as the big brother. Raise your hand if you're the, the oldest sibling, you're the big sibling in the family. Now, I'm going to explain to Noble that the role is important. It is a great role because you are tasked with leading. And I'm going to tell Noble, you are tasked with leading and guiding and instructing and having fun with Briggs. You're to teach him all the things that you know. You're the good things that you know, not all the bad things. He's going to lead him and guide him and lead him into, right, a life that honors God because we hope that Noble is walking that same way. Now, it doesn't mean that Briggs' role as a little brother is just bad. It's the wrong thing to do, right? Raise your hand if you're the little sibling. You're the baby of the family. Amen. My people, my people, the baby of the family, the greatest kind. No, I'm just kidding. It's a different role. It's a different role. The, the, the big sibling has a greater role because they are leading other people. The babies, we're just getting led. Hopefully we're getting led by a good big brother or sister. 
But we see here in Scripture with the angels and with Jesus that Jesus has a greater role as a superior role compared to the angels. How do we see that? We see that with the seventh and final Old Testament quotation in this passage. We made it to the end of the Old Testament quotations. In verse 13, from Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110, verse 1. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The context of what's uh, happening here is this has always been known as a messianic psalm. And it communicates that the Messiah has utter dominion overall because he's seated at the throne and he's seated. We talked about that last week, that being seated shows a power, shows a dominion, but also shows a finished work. That he has complete authority. And we know that because he created all things and he sustains all things, as it says in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. But what is it, what is, that's Jesus' role, but what is the role of angels. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So the role of angels is to be sent out by God to minister to those who will inherit salvation, to, to minister to those believers. Now, you may be thinking, guardian angels, is that like a real thing? Now, I'm not, this doesn't tell you if guardian angels are real or not. Right, it tells it it's, they're called to go minister to believers. Now, it doesn't tell us the structure that each angel has a believer or each believer has an angel. I don't know how God organizes and structures and sends out his angels. I imagine it's the best way you could do it. But it doesn't tell us how he's doing that. So I'm not saying pro or negative guardian angels in this passage. All I'm saying is that angels are sent out to minister to, to believers. I don't know how they do that, but what we see here is that all things are under the feet. All things are under the dominion and reign of Jesus, including angels. So who has the superior name? And I want everyone to say at the same time, who has the superior name, reign, and role? Jesus. Not angels, Jesus. So you might be sitting here, okay, Dylan, so what? Why does it matter that I came an hour of my week to listen about how Jesus is greater than the angels. I never questioned that. I don't think any of y'all just got out of your closet worshiping an angel. I don't think that was happening in, in your closet in your home. So why are we talking about this? What does it matter to you? What's the impact that it has on your life as a high schooler in the Oklahoma City metro in January of 2023? Why does it matter? Well, think about the reason why he's addressing this in the first place is because a group of people began to, to believe a lie. They began to believe false teaching. And they began to follow it. And their actions showed that they followed it. So Jesus is greater than that. So the author is speaking to that and saying, hey, stop doing that. Jesus is far superior connection to us. Guys, we hear scripture twisted every single day. You see it on reels and TikToks. You see it in your classrooms. You see it on social media. You see it in the school. You see it on your teams. Guys, you see scripture and truth being twisted every single day. That's one of the reasons why we wanted truth to be our theme during gravity. Because truth is so important. But it's so easy for us to see it being twisted little by little by little. And in two years, you may be believing something that is complete, completely contrary to scripture. 
And what happens when you begin to, to allow it to stay around, you begin to leave, believe it little by little by little, you look up and maybe a cultural ideology, maybe a twisting of scripture is now raised up and Jesus is way down here. And you sit back and say, oh, well, I never would say that Jesus is less than this, but our life shows that. My question to you is this. Does your life show that Jesus is far superior than everything, every ideology, every thought, every action? Is Jesus supreme in your life? Believers, I hope you've seen the passage tonight and have just been enamored. You've seen the the passage last week and tonight, and you just see Jesus being exalted as the creator, as the sustainer, as the one who has dominion that never changes, that rules with uprightness and righteousness and loves you individually, and he loves you so much that he went to the cross for you, that you would see that, and I I hope and pray that your love for him would be reinvigorated, that the devotion for Jesus will just well up when you look at how Jesus is greater than all. And for non-believers in this room, you may be a guest tonight, you may be coming for a while, but you just haven't followed Jesus as Lord in your life. Guys, as, as Jonah comes up and as we sing, I would just pray that you would just continue to read over these first 14 verses. Read over chapter 1 of Hebrews. That you would see that Jesus is greater. He's superior. And that, that means every aspect of your life. That he is greater than everything. And that you would see a, your need for Jesus and that you would follow him. Let me pray as the band comes up and we start singing. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your son Jesus is superior to angels. Lord, I I pray that the high schoolers in this room would understand why that's so important. That your word and your son must be above everything in our life. Above every thought and cultural idea. Above everything, Lord. I pray that we would be men and women that follow you faithfully that we would sing praises to the one who, whose name reigns and ro- his role is superior and his name is superior. God, I pray for that, those that don't know you tonight, that they encounter you for the first time. And they would say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to follow you with everything. God, I pray that you would bring those people to the front of the room, Lord. You would bring believers to come and worship Pray with one another and pray with those that want to accept Christ. God, your name is superior, and I pray these next 10 minutes would be testament to that as we worship and glorify and exalt your name. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing?